End of part one. Welcome everyone to the Cambly Community Podcast with your host, Neil Raybrook Tidy. Everyone, and today I'm interviewing a local celebrity, yes, the star of stage, screen, and radio, Mr. Peter Gordon. Hi, Neil. Thank you for having me on. Nice to nice to be invited. Thank you. That's all right. Um, they, I was I was a little bit nervous about doing this because I got your phone number and someone said, "Give me a ring, give me a ring," and I'm like, "It's Peter Gordon. I can't call Peter Gordon. I, you know, I, I used to listen to you on the radio and and all that, and it's like, uh, so yeah, so um." I called, and obviously we're here now, so that phone call uh, was a good thing. <laughs> so I want to talk about you, Peter. Uh, obviously, mm. you were with Eagle Radio for many, many, mm-hmm. many happy years. Um, was it about 26? Was it 26 years? Uh, we, it's nearly 25 years. We launched it in January 1996. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was uh, getting on for 25 years. I mean, the... The company that ran it actually uh, was 25 years old, in fact, because it sort of started in September 95 before we then fully launched Eagle the following uh, the following January. Okay, so you were um, you were a pinnacle in that in that launch. We all know you were the first voice on Eagle. Okay, but where were you before Eagle? What was what was your tra- were you with Mercury? Or uh, yeah, I had a, a number of, of things. So that sort of first part of the 90s. Um, uh, I'd come back from university and uh, one way or another got myself um, onto what was then County Sound, which was the the oh, lowest going back a long station. way. That is, um, uh, yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Neil. That's uh, all right. So I got in there and I ended up sort of doing a sports show and stuff. I then went off and um, did a postgraduate uh, journalism diploma as well, which which just sort of made sure I sort of um, had various options that I could do. So. So at any one time, you know, for a period of time with both County Sound and then when Radio Mercury came in as well, I was doing everything from uh, music presenting to uh, news reporting, news reading. I was sports editor um, as well for a while. Uh, so, you, you know, when I started the whole radio thing, and I think this sort of came from my dad, you know, who, who never, I, I mean, he, he's been really chuffed with what's happened since. I think at the time he was just, concerned it wasn't a proper job it's not a proper yeah i've heard that a lot so i sort of made sure that i could spread myself across a number of disciplines that was always the way and indeed i've got i've got to say neil you know when i get asked about advice around going into broadcasting or radio whatever is to have that same thing you know be interested in everything or make yourself interested in everything and try and get as many skills at everything Mm. as you possibly can and uh I, i guess that to be honest with you i guess that goes for any industry doesn't it and um, that sort of seemed to uh, keep me in good stead, certainly in those early years. So, yeah, from, from sort of 1990 to 96, there was County Sound, there was Radio Mercury. Then actually, uh, so in fact, I did uh, launched another station. So we, I did two radio station launches in three years, come to think of it. So there was one in Berkshire called Star FM, which uh, had a radio license for Slough, Windsor. Amazing. I remember, I remember Star. Yeah. So I was the, so I was the first person to read a news bulletin on that station so that was in <laughs> may may 93 so yeah so so uh, but nine, the 90s was quite a big time for for sort of new commercial radio you know there'd been that big um sort of splurge in sort of the 
early sorry mid 70s then mm. you know with things like capital and lbc and stuff and then and then there was a whole load of others that came during the 80s and then there was that sort of third wave as it were in the 90s and star fm was part of that so that that was there and it was during being star fm um, which was run by the same guys that started eagle yeah that i got asked to uh to return to guildford um and uh, and start up eagle and uh, that's that's how it all worked and just just I don't know if you've ever been asked, why was it called Eagle? What was the reason behind it? Do you know, or was it just a so, name that was plucked out the sky? Um, well, no, it wasn't, because um, the original founder um, was a big fan and still is a big fan of American radio. In fact, he lives in America now. Um, and the Eagle is a sort of call sign, communication call sign um, uh, in America. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, and he liked the the name Eagle. So that was why... Um, uh, Eagle stuck. It's a, a communication call sign, basically. Oh, okay, okay, right. So we we've done your radio bit. Let's let's go. Let's move on to your team. Now you were well, very well known for your breakfast team. There was of course mm. headed up by yourself, PG or Peter mm. Gordon. Uh, you had Bev and you had Matt. Mm. So um, how did how did that all come about? Well, I mean, that was in recent years. In fairness, Neil. I mean, having been on the breakfast show for nearly twenty five years. <laughs> You know, I saw teams come and go, I'll be honest. And, oh, okay. you know, and, and, and I was very lucky to just work alongside some fantastic people. Um, so, you know, right the way back in um, in the, the 90s, late 90s, there was Pippa Head and, and Pip's still doing broadcasting. She's on some uh, a local station and um, and uh, various newsreaders. Uh, James Keane who's still in the world of radio. Uh, in fact, he, he runs a number of radio stations now. And that was just in the 90s. So I had various people that, that, that came and went. Bev was uh, with us, though, for for a number of years, you know, I think 17, 18 years on and off. Um, she um, she popped off for a little while to uh, to have kids and things and yep. take maternity leave, but then came back. And then Matt joined us, um, you know, a few years ago as well. And what we did a lot at Eagle, uh, Neil, which, you know, I have to say, those of us that ran the place, we're very proud of, you know, we developed our own people. Matt came through what we called our academy scheme. Um, and uh, which which was basically coming in and helping on the radio show for one morning a week. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think people signed up for six months to do that. And we just found a lot of really good people. <laughs> well, because the thing is, and, 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 the, and the thing is, Neil, that's actually how I got into County Sound. Even though I'd, you know, I'd done my degree and I'd done radio at university and everything, I came back down south and, and, and certainly in the days where uh, that was the late 80s, there wasn't like a real proper route into radio so you were you were a t-boy yeah i was you i were was the t-boy uh, yeah i know and, and that's exactly what i did and i think you know um some things don't change and whilst I, whilst that wasn't what we did with eagle you know they may have made the old cup of tea uh, we all did well actually i perhaps didn't make it <laughs> however to be honest however um it also allowed people some hands-on experience and yeah. we found some really good people and matt was one of those you know, mm. Matt just came through that scheme and I just put it on air. And they, we, that happened with a number of people. And in fact, you know, people that didn't make it into the breakfast show, for example, maybe that wasn't what their goal was anyway. You know, we had people that went on to be uh, station groups, heads of music, um, on professional presenters. There are people out in the industry right now that came through that uh, just little uh, radio experience scheme that we used to run. Um, and really proud of that so that's that's where matt came from and the thing is like you said there you're perfectly right there was no training if you wanted to be a radio dj i mean i came through i started djing when i was 14 
I had, um, you know, doing parties and birthdays. And then I went on to hospital radio. That was mm. like the, the only training route uh, you could actually do. Um, mm. So what you did was you said, well, come in, have a, you know, make make some tea and we'll show you the ropes yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Which was, and but a lot of people didn't like doing it because they didn't like the fact that you were, you'd, you'd gone to university and then you had mm. to start at the bottom. They People mm. felt that they had to. But, but in the end, I mean, I, I think when it comes down to it, Neil, um, it was what I wanted to do. Mm. Now, actually, you know, uh, I did go and work in the city for nine months. That actually funded my postgraduate journalism uh, qualification. But I did go and work in the city. I, I, I would do radio on Saturdays. And um, and with respect to the... To the I, I, knew, I knew when I went in there that it was on day one, it was the wrong decision. And I could even walk to work from where I was. You know, I walked along the river. Yeah. to get into the city. Um, I was very lucky. I had a fantastic setup. My word. Uh, nine months later, I was gone and, um, <laughs> by, by my own choice. And, and, um, and it just was a wrong turning, although was it? Because as I said, it did actually fund did uh, you... the further education I wanted to do. So in a, in a way, it was part of a plan that I obviously didn't know at the time. Was it, was it with, when you started off in broadcast, when you started that training, was it like, do you know what? I'm going to give it a year. If nothing happens, then I'm going to go and get another job. Or did you decide to stick at it? And it was like, no, this is what I really want to do. Um, you know, because I, I just, know- um, I think what happened was after I'd done that um, journalism thing, uh, I, I pretty much got immediately hired. Actually, in fact, I was originally, yeah, I was, I was, um, I was hired as a journalist, and um, and and I. I I just got on with it. And yeah. I think I, I don't. So I know when, when people say, well, you know, if you want, if you want to be successful, you just got to be focused and targeted. And all that. I never felt I was focused and targeted, but now you've asked that question. And actually I'm not sure anyone's ever asked me that question. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, no, no, it's good. No, it's good. Cause I'm sitting here thinking, did I at the time think I should go and do something? I do. I don't think I did. I actually thought there we go. I've got a job. I'm just going to get on with this and see where it takes me. So I suppose in my own slightly non-clinical way, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think I probably did just focus and probably did all those things that someone said you should do. But I don't even I don't think I consciously at the time said, okay, this is the next, this is what you got to do, and then you got to do that, and you got. I just kept working, and stuff sort of came along. Really, I suppose maybe I just put myself in a position where I was around when the next opportunity arrived. That's, I mean, that, that is, that, that is really good, isn't it? The, the fact that you were there at the right time and you, things just happened for you. I mean, I was there most of the time. I think that's probably, no. <laughs> you, you know, even when shifts ended, you know, yeah, you'd still be hanging right, around. going to lock up. Don't stuff. worry. It'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, I just think, yeah, you know, and, and there was a little bit of that. And, um, and I think I was just so overjoyed having known definitely what I didn't want to do mm. which I also think this is important you get a perspective and I was so excited Neil you know and and I even said it you know just as uh, we were finishing at Eagle you know I still said the same thing I was never not excited about what I was doing in all those years yeah just excited about it so it's a fantastic thing to be able to do it's just great I mean even now I mean when you wake up in the morning do you go do you know what I'm I can't wait for today. I can't wait to do what I want to do today. And of course, now you can choose what you want to do. Uh, yeah. So I think there's an approach. Yeah, I think I, I think you're. I, I know what you're getting at there. I think there is an approach to life that um, that maybe one has. Um, and 
uh, I, th I think, you know, I think I'm, I think I am an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist. Um, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, and I think that therefore, to a certain extent, you know, you just keep feeling how lucky you are. I mean, I, you know, I was lucky to do what I did. Yeah, that's the truth. And that's never going to change. Um, so I think if you can hold on to some of that stuff, sometimes it gives you good fuel and uh, and and a you know, good motivation and momentum for regeneration, if that's what you need to do. And uh, without sounding like Doctor Who, and <laughs> I, I think that sounded a bit like that, didn't it? I was watching an episode last night, which is probably why I'm thinking of it. Okay. Um, I, I, so yeah, I, I I think there is an approach that you have to have sometimes in life, and it's not easy. It's not easy for some people, and particularly this year of all years. This year, I, I mean, you and your your team uh, at Eagle have done an amazing job by keeping you know keeping the spirits up um, when there's. You know, when there's no, uh, there's nothing to look forward to. You can just switch on that radio, and you know it just lifts yeah. your spirits, really. Which is what, which is what you did. And and you, uh, I, I know they were taken over by a, another radio station, which we won't talk about. But the thing is, you were there through the pin, the pinnacle time of the year, um, and that yeah, early early in the year. But I mean, I think the thing about that as well, Neil, is that you know, um, we, we took um, <laughs> it may not have sounded like it. But, you know, we took what we did really seriously. You know, we, we you know, I was surrounded by a really committed bunch of people. Mm. Uh, it was the way we ran the place, you know, um, uh, people, people who were with us were, were, were with us, you know. Yeah. And, and I think um, when things come along and I mean, wh whether or not it be, you know, you suddenly everything gets um, bunged up by snow in the winter or um, there's something else that happens or you've got some of the awful things that have happened over the years that we've had to, you know, reflect and quite rightly so. Um, mm -hmm. Then you get a, a pandemic and, you know, once again, none of us have ever. <laughs> there were no rules. There's no rule book. Oh, hang on. Let's get out the what happens in a pandemic for local radio guidebook. And, I, and for me, if you, if you had your head set in the right place with what you were doing, as any local service, let alone being a local radio service, yeah, then the chances are you may not get everything right, because that was always a possibility. You know, we always allowed ourselves that because it's you know you can't always get everything right. But I think you're moving in the right direction, and I think that's that's what we felt earlier in the year mm. that um, that we should we should do and and just try and reflect um, a little bit of what was going on uh, locally. But also the other thing, Neil. Um, uh, uh, we, we also realized that actually just us being on gave us, I wouldn't usually use the word normality with us, but gave, gave some form of normality. We, we got a lot of that feedback saying, look, you know, I'm not going to work anymore, but I'm still getting out. Dilla, 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 yeah. dilla. But actually you're there. So at least, you know, we can be alongside you and chat with you or call in or whatever. And of course, uh, you guys, you were <clears throat> sorry, you were in your in your homes, so it was literally a case of falling out of bed in your pajamas, doing doing what you were doing. So you didn't even have to get up really really early anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as it happens, the, the weird thing, I, I only live um, or lived a, a mile from the radio station anyway. So you know, for me, it was all quite close anyway. Um, uh, the um, I still found, and I think this is the thing, is that, you, you know, Breakfast Radio, which I did for a really long time, and it was just fantastic, amazing fun. Um, it, you do have to, you do have to, your brain needs to be awake. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, and you get used to it to a certain extent. To a certain extent, you don't ever really get used to it. Because um, people always get up early. Lots of people get up early. But quite a lot of people commute and things. In fact, 
I've been talking to a few people recently that are sort of saying, you know, they miss their commute at the moment because it allows them to get their head into the day. With, with us, our head's got to be there. Right <laughs> at the beginning of the day. In fact, all the adrenaline and everything you need at that time of the morning, yes, forget about until you stop doing it. And when I stopped doing it in the summer, uh, it took my body ages. And, and to a certain extent, I'm probably still getting used to it now because it was decades I did it for. Yeah. It's going well. Hang on a second. Wait. Yeah. Come on in. Come on in. We're gonna we're gonna start talking. What we're gonna do? We're gonna. Yeah. Say, well, actually, I'm having a cup of tea. That's right. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. It's um. So it was different. Um. I think 17 weeks I broadcast from my living room for, um. During that time and um. How did Mr. Wonders, How did Mr. G feel about that? Do you have to clear everything away at tea time? Well, uh, um, I had to, certainly had to keep things quiet. I, all the doors were shut and stuff. Um, having said that, of course, uh, because she's a primary teacher, they uh, all went back. Um, in fact, she helped out with some vulnerable and um, uh, key worker children anyway for some yeah. of that time. So she was getting up. And also um, all the primary school lot went back in June, you may remember. Yes. So, in fact, she was up and about. So, in a way, we were we, we were doing our normal thing. It's just that I hadn't got out of the door first. I happened to have gone through the door into the living room first. That was, <laughs> that, that was the difference. And she was tiptoeing out trying to be very, very quiet. Not, not often, no. She'd be quite happy. But we made a thing of it. That's quite fun. I mean, because in the end, that's what it is. If you're that's what you've got to do, though, haven't you? Home, you? Yeah, just be real. Yeah. Just be real. Yeah, did you have the you didn't have the coffee grinder going in the background or anything? Or? Uh, no, the coffee was later. Um, I used to do the dishwasher, unload the dishwasher during the half past seven headlines. That's always that was good. that. Yeah, that was a routine. Um, and I used to water the plants on the balcony during the eight o'clock news. Well, there we go. You see a little so insight. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was my little. That's my little. I was very pleased. I had a fantastic um, cosmos plant on there which is doing really well. And we had petunias in the basket. Tell you what, I, I reckon if it hadn't been for the working from home thing, they wouldn't have survived as long as they did. They were still going strong in October. It was a hot summer. It was a hot summer as well. It so was, was, it was good, for, <laughs> good, for, good for petunias, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's move on. I want to talk about your acting. Now, I'm a bit of a thespian as well. I run a performing academy and everything. And I know that you are very much a thespian. Um, you are known in, in Guildford for being a dame. Aren't you really? That mm. that is that is your go-to role. If there's going to be a panto, in panto, yeah, 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 we'll get we'll get yeah, yeah, yeah we'll get PG. We, he can do he can be a dame. But I heard recently, uh, well, not recently, sort of like uh, uh, you've you've been doing a bit of Shakespeare as well. Yeah. So the truth is, I actually I I always wanted to be an actor. That was really what it was about. Uh, radio filled uh, filled that hole quite easily for for many years. So that was cool. And then I got asked, um, I don't know, uh, was it 18, 19 years ago? to be in the Woking Panto. I did two runs, actually, in the New Victoria Theatre um, originally. That's big. And That's then, big, that is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was very big. Two two runs of 72 shows each. I remember it. Two and a half thousand uh, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, and then I joined the Guildford one a couple of... Uh, uh, in fact, I gave up. So I sort of did two runs at Woking. I said, yeah, that's a lot. Thanks very much indeed. Mm-hmm. And then all the shot asked me to, to pre-record a narrating bit for them the year after that. And then I was the the voice of the mirror in the Guildford one. Stephanie Beecham was the, the Wicked Queen and I was the, the voice of the mirror. And then they asked me to be live for the next year. And I said, oh, all right then. And uh, I haven't looked back until, of course, this year. There's no panto this year at the Ivanano. In fact, the, the, you know, there's a lot that's been obviously cancelled, postponed because because of the logistics. Some have been able to open with help from others and the rest of it, but um, not this year. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, and then um, the Dame uh, role. I, I, I was Ugly Sister a couple of times and then 
ended up taking over as being the dame and have done that for a few years now at the Ivanano, uh, which is just fantastic fun. I mean, it's just, it's it, as you know, Neil, you know, it's, it's a commitment. Once again, it's another commitment. How do people... Yeah, well, I, they used to say, I think you're probably going to ask how to do the radio. <laughs> yeah. the, um, well, listen, uh, and I used to, and, and look, don't get me wrong, over over the number of years, I've slightly adjusted what that looks like. Um, so, you know, maybe slightly later start on the breakfast show some days, yeah. maybe taking a few days off while the technical rehearsals are going on for the pantomime, because they can go on for like hours until mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. So, so I used to get more sensible about it, but sort of at peak time and people said, yeah, how did you do the radio and panto? Well, you know, the chance to broadcast to, uh, you know, thousands of people in the morning in your hometown and then walking down the road to your home theater where you actually watched (laughs) pantomime as a boy to perform. I mean, you don't think of the hours. You just, you just do it, don't you? You do. You you just do it. And now, I mean, there were there were rumours of obviously you turning up in in makeup and things like that and stuff. I mean, was that all true, or were they just taking a rise out of you? What? Well, you, uh, the next one? No, I used to have an awful trouble, uh, and and uh, hopefully if I do it again, I, I'll probably still have the same trouble. <laughs> I can't get eyeliner off. Okay, <laughs> I, and I've, I've I've tried everything, and you know I've had my wife with with uh, recommendations. You know, uh, my mother-in-law, every everyone has been saying use this, use that, and I'm still going. I still can't get it off, and it hurts. <laughs> so I just leave it on in the end. So in the mornings when I used to get back on the radio, yeah, I was I definitely have makeup face still going on. So and they weren't rumors, Neil. They were true. Okay, because in my house when we do when we do panto, I do three. Well, basically we do three pantos a year, and uh, mm. not this year, obviously. Uh, the house is covered in glitter. How do you cope with the glitter well in uh, in fairness that generally gets left in the dressing room um uh you know i've had a, a, have a very nice right there dressing room at the yarn i've had the same one for many years now and um uh you know there's a little shower next door and stuff so so for the most part barring eyeliner yes um, which is waterproof nothing probably. really comes nothing really comes <laughs> back to, to gordon towers so so to that but uh, but the i must admit you know there comes a point certainly halfway through a run where I'll look at the dressing room going, this needs a flipping proper cleanup. <laughs> I need to do something about this. It's in a state. So I'll normally have a sort of little spring clean halfway through the run and hope it gets me through. You're out with the a dustbuster sort of hoovering everything up. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I can that, see that absolutely. now. Yeah. <laughs> so which is your um, your favourite um, role that you've actually played? I mean, obviously you played dames and, uh, and other yeah. things. What's your favourite role? Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned Shakespeare earlier. I... I Sort of went on to panto. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to have one panto one, and then I'm going to have the Shakespeare one. Go on then, so, go on then, go so, go go go. So the Shakespeare one. So yeah, a couple of summers ago, very lucky to be with the Guildford Shakespeare Company, who asked me to be full staff in their um, adaptation of Merry Wives of Windsor, uh, which is a great part. I mean, it's a fantastic part, and it was outdoors. It was at the uh, the Model Engineering uh, Society, mm-hmm. uh, which has got a nice little miniature railway uh, just to the to top of Stoke Park in Guildford. And um, it was it was set in the seventies, and it was just a wonderful. We we arrived to the um, to the strains of Sheena Easton and uh, <laughs> Nine to Five morning train song, um, and and being full staff was great. I, it was just an absolute highlight. So thoroughly enjoyed that. In Panto, um, I I enjoy all of them. I have enjoyed all of them. Yeah, um, I particularly enjoyed being Sarah the cook in Dick Whittington about three Christmases ago. Um, where I got to sing a a, se- uh, a good section of ELO's Mr. Blue Sky, which is just a great song. Yes, and to be able to do that on stage, and it, you know, it was it was the scene where they're leaving on the ship and stuff, and we actually had really great scenery with the ship, and I was up on the deck, and 
and the, and there was some great costumes. I had a sort of navy costume, and and um, yeah, so that that was probably my my fave one. But I I really have enjoyed every single one of them, really. Okay, go ahead, just just touching back on on Danes. Do you have a, an input into what you want to wear? So do they? Do you have an um, idea? Uh, no, that that's normally done. Um, there's a the the Guildford um, pantomime, the Ivanano, for many years has had a, a great uh, costume department run by um, Atoll's Costumiers. Actually, you can look them up online. Um, and uh, I know Jamie, who runs it pretty well now over these years. Um, so he sort of knows he knows what what I need really, if you mm. see what I mean. Um, so it, it's it's more often the case. That you know, he will just come along. He'll have the costume. He say, "Look, I reckon that'll look good." And you, you know, he's pretty much right. He knows it. It's his business. Uh, occasionally, you know, I may ask and say, "Well, can I have that with it, or can I have this with it?" But I'll be honest, um, Neil. I think sometimes, you know, when you've got people like that who are professional and have been professional for many years, they know yeah. what they're doing. One of the wonderful things, uh, and I've I've done it in two roles. I've won it. I've I've worn it twice. Um, so Jamie is the proud owner of the actual apron that used that was worn by Danny Larue, um, who of course was just uh, one of the Panto Danes of all time. Mm. So I'm, and I've worn that apron on a couple of rolls now, actually. So that's quite nice, isn't it? Just a, a little bit of Panto tradition. Well, that's it. No one else knows it. It's just you. <laughs> it's just, uh... Uh, yeah, well, I, I, well, hopefully a few more now that I've told you. <laughs> <I've told you. laughs> um, okay, so uh, we've. Um, with your acting and everything, uh, obviously you want to carry on doing your acting, don't you? When when we can uh, go back to that, uh, I take it you'll be there at the even on earth and knocking on the door, going a panto this year, please. Well, uh, I mean, um, I, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can't uh, you can't ever take these things for granted, and I never would. But um, you know, uh, I think um, I think pantos generally next Christmas. I mean, I know there are some going on this year, but mm. they're all having to be socially distanced, and it is different. Um, and um, you know the Arno, uh, whilst they're not doing Panto, they are doing just a they're doing a, a, a the Snow Queen, which is you know a small cast, yeah, uh, socially distanced and, and all so it is good. So I think next year, you know, Panto twenty one is going to be a massive, massive year. I, I think, think we should. I think ready. that's what it should be called, Panto twenty one. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ready, ready, you know, ready, ready with the custard pies in big, big style. I would say so. Yeah, so hopefully that'll that'll come and um, and yeah, you know, um, if other things come along as well, then that would be fantastic. Okay, I, I want to I, I want to go back a bit. I want to. Uh, do you own a car? I do. You do. I don't want to know about the car you got now. I want to know what was your first car? What was the, my, mine? Wasn't a Mark II Escort. It was an ex-police car, and believe me, as you used to close, you closed the doors, the rust used to fall off it. But what was yeah. your what was your first car? Um, so I used to drive my mother's around a bit, but my first one I actually owned was a was actually a Ford Escort GL. I think it was a GL. Was it what mark a, was it? Was it a a Mark III? Do you know? I don't even. I I, I actually don't know Neil. Oh. I, I'll be. I'll, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not big on cars. For what I do, as long as they get me from A to B, to a certain extent. Um, but no, definitely it was a blue Ford Escort, uh, which unfortunately I uh, ceremoniously um, bumped into a lamppost just on the uh, Brighton Road in Godalming. Was able to get it back to the uh, the garage, and then as I drove into the garage, the whole <laughs> thing just steamed out, and that was it. 
Um, so we had that was that was one of my one of I like my the way you say you re- bumped in bumped politely into well, a lamppost. It was one of those. It was just. It was what. Yeah. It was one of those ones where well, I was actually avoiding uh, someone else. So you know you have to make a choice. If you're lucky, you've got a time. Sometimes if you suddenly get yourself into bother, where you've got to make a choice, and I made yeah. a choice to uh, to go and do the lamppost as opposed to going to the back. You dinked a lamppost. Really right so uh, no, no. <laughs> the um your you have a many many strings to your bow many 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 and one of them as well is your charity work um mm. you do a lot of uh, charity work for different variety of different charities but you're also a trustee as well so um so um how did you get into that so i've been um so one of the ones is children with special needs which um a lot of people in and around the Camberley area will know about run by um, gordon paris, gordon paris and uh, yeah and and of course and i've known i've known them well was their 25th year this year uh so it's been 25 years and i was patron fairly early on and have been and of course they've just i mean they have raised millions of pounds Mm. over the years uh for just fantastic causes people that are specifically in need of things where perhaps the system doesn't pick up um and they've been great. So, so that's that's been uh, that's been wonderful to be part of that. And you know, and as part of that, some of their fundraising balls and things ended up being the auctioneer and and, and stuff like that. So that that was great. Um, and and also um, uh, there's uh, disability challenges, which yeah. uh, is in Guildford and Farnham, uh, big network, um, uh, and and uh, a number of others. And then there's sort of other what I call you know um, uh, charitable roles. So Surrey County Show, which is a, a registered charity. Um, I'm a trustee of that's the uh, the Surrey County Agricultural Society that runs that, and uh, that's the one over the bank but, bank holiday, isn't it? That's Stoke, right, yeah. Stoke Park and, and around there, uh, yeah. And of course, haven't been able to do it this year, and it's it's looking tricky for next year. But I'm yeah. the the president uh, of that, so yeah, I've certainly keep myself busy um, <laughs> with various things because I think you know um, a little bit like um, you know with um, uh, with radio and and, and acting or you, you know you're either in it or you're not. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. and and so I don't sit there going, oh gosh, you know, um, you know, I do all of this and that. I, it's just what you do because that's life. Thank you for listening to the Cambly Community Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.